Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. Roy, thanks for holding through the break. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. I got a, a large storage building that we started a while back, kind of converting over to maybe a craft room where it's going to be an air-conditioned space. And I was concerned about a vapor hole because, you know, if I'm going to insulate the walls, I don't want want it to, uh, you know, mold. And uh, so I was thinking maybe there, instead of having to try to fit plastic in there, maybe there's something I can spray on the walls, you know, like a paint or something to uh, seal the walls. Okay. Uh, The, well, first, don't use plastic. Uh, in our, okay. if you're in a northern state, you can use plastic, but in in Texas, it'll sweat and cause you all kinds of problems. So we don't we don't use plastic in in Texas. Uh, but so you're, you're converting it from a shed to air conditioned space. Yeah. What do you have on it for siding? Uh, it's it's a uh, I think it used to be called T111 siding. Okay. Or, you know, it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, just the, just the four by eight sheets of T111, and there's nothing yeah. behind it. So you're looking at, the, and when you look from the inside out, you're looking at the basically a plywood back. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, a vapor barrier, you know, it's more is really critical when a, when a structure is being built because that keeps rainwater from going in and things like that. Uh, but it breathe breathes so it's not like having plastic up there that will allow it to sweat uh honestly with what you've got right now you're getting ready to insulate it and you're just going to use regular fiberglass insulation or something else yeah that's what i was planning i was going to uh to do the spray foam and then i've kind of backed away from that because you have a friend who who uh who does air conditioning work and speaking to him about some of that stuff and i was like yeah, I'll just insulate it. We'll do a fiberglass insulation. Yep. And I I don't know, I guess underneath on the bottom, I need to insulate that too. No, nah, just leave the bottom alone. Okay. Uh, just do the walls and the ceiling. And your, your friend stir, uh, you know, sent you in the very good direction because if you do the, the whole thing and encapsulate it with the foam, the AC systems have to work exactly right all the time it, otherwise, you'll have sick home syndrome. It's just like putting plastic up around yeah. the house. It, it seals it too tight. The fiberglass allows it to breathe, and, and you'll be fine. So if, if it was mine, all I would do is paint the inside of that uh, siding that you have. Okay. Paint it with an exterior with paint. Standard. Yep, just okay. any any exterior paint, and go ahead and put your insulation in. All right. Well, I guess... That would work because uh, I bought a five-gallon bucket of paint a while back from Home Depot that they had it out there on the clearance sale with some stupid color that somebody gets mixed up wrong. Yeah. And I got it for like 35 bucks, so perfect. That sounds like something um, people would normally buy to put on the deer stand. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done that. <laughs> it was just It's probably not a color I'd want to put on the deer stand. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably stick out. 
I, so, I have another question if you've got time. I, I do, but uh, the, un- so. the underside real quick. Don't put insulation there because uh-huh. you're going to get too much moisture that comes up off the soil. And insulation okay. holds the moisture and it causes the wood to rot. And so you don't you don't put uh, insulation underneath crawl space homes. That makes me feel a whole lot more comfortable now that I found somebody to to ask who can answer my question. So far, none nobody's been able to answer my answer the question to make where I'm comfortable about about it. Good. So what, was your, um, what else you got? Um, in my home, it's a two story on the first floor. Uh, the majority of the first floor is tile, and I've um, since we bought the home, or after we bought the home back in 2008, we noticed some long hairline cracks in the tile, you know, like just kind of, you know, it goes through multiple of the tiles. Right. And, um, and some of the tiles I noticed sound kind of hollow and some not, so I didn't know if it was just these uh, cracks were, you know, from maybe, maybe didn't have a good base under it when they put it in or yep. or what i mean i don't have cracks in my sheetrock or anything yeah don't don't worry if you don't have sheetrock cracks doors out of alignment cracks in the brick veneer things like that it's not going to be a foundation problem to worry about but what i have found is the mastics they used to put tile down 15 to basically 30 years ago they're yeah. given they're given loose they're, they're giving way. They're not holding like they should. And so you'll start getting that hollow sound, and when it gets hollow underneath, it's also subject to cracking, and it'll have just that hairline crack in it. Uh, nothing yeah. to get overly worried about. And the larger area of tile that you have, the more likely it is that you're going to go over a crack in the foundation because, believe it or not, all foundations have cracks in them. That's what the steel's yeah. in it is to hold the concrete together when it cracks and so uh the, when you got a large area of tile you're likely to go over one of those hairline cracks that are that are just expansion cracks and stuff so nothing to get overly concerned about someday if you do replace the tile you'll want to use some something down that has some elasticity to it or they make mats that you can put down over cracks so that it spans and and doesn't happen again yeah my wife is wanting me to put uh, wood flooring down, and I, I bought some vinyl wood flooring, and uh, and then she's telling me, "Oh, put it right on top of the tile." I said, "No, we can't do that. You're going to see the the spaces between the tile when it starts settling." So I was thinking, either I'm going to have to rip all this tile up, yep, or I'm going to have to uh, maybe take take some, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. What well. It, kind of cement or something and smooth it out yeah don't do that because you've already got a floor that's starting to come loose yeah and so if you put the new floor on top if you've got a if you got a floor that's down nice and solid you can get away with floating it on the top and do what you were talking about uh but you've got tiles that are already coming loose and if you try to go over it it, they're going to continue to come loose and that will destroy your new floor as well so Strip the yeah, old one off, sense. do a little cleanup on the concrete, and then put it straight down on the concrete. Ricky, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, good, good day. You there? Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. Hey, I've got a question for you. Um, my house was built uh, probably about three years ago, something like that. Okay. Um, and I noticed that right by the electrical outlet, you know, um, the 
the, the, the uh, sheetrock was getting a, a bit like discolored or something like that. I thought it was maybe some kind of humidity. Um, there's no nothing there that has any pipes or anything around it. Um, so I called up the uh, the builder and they came out and the guy that came out I was watching him and he's like, well, there's he's like if the sheetrock was, you know, uh, if you know the, if the sheetrock had gotten wet somehow or whatever, you know, it would it would kind of basically crumble and it would be easy to break to, to kind of be like but the, the sheetrock was intact right so he, he he regardless he he cut cut that piece of sheetrock out put a new piece there uh refinished it painted it and then now i get the same thing uh i can see where the the paint is getting discolored and it's kind of getting a bathroom. dark gray type color to it yeah like a dark gray or blackish type yep. of color it's getting air infiltration Okay. Uh, is, that, is that from the outside or? More than likely, because it's on an outside wall, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 More than likely, it's from the outside air. Uh, somehow, okay. something's not sealed properly, and it's getting air infiltration in there. Okay. Uh, what can I do to, to to fix that? Is it a brick exterior? Uh, it's like a stucco. Okay. Is it EFIS? Is it what? EFIS, the the type of stucco material. When when they put it on, not, did it did it go on to a styrofoam board? I'm not quite sure. Okay, uh, I'm not I'm not sure. Because I'm betting what's happening is it, if it is a, a EFIS board, there would be uh, vents on the bottom, and okay. I bet when when air is blowing. It's coming up the wall through those vents. Now, there should have been a barrier inside against the studs to keep that air from coming in, and obviously something wasn't finished off right. Okay. Now, the only way to go back and retrofit it would be something something on the exterior wall is going to end up being pulled apart and resealed. Uh, on older homes, and, and you know, I'm talking now, this is how new construction is done, where it's all sealed up and you don't get air infiltration like that. If you went back into a home that was built in the 70s, you would have gotten air infiltration like that all the time. And what they used to do then is take, uh, and you'll still see them at the hardware stores and lump, and uh, box stores, a little, it's not styrofoam, it's kind of a rubberized uh, insulating material that you un undo and take the plate off the wall, put this on. Mm -hmm. And it basically seals so the air's not coming in any longer. Okay. Now, if it was my home, I would not be tearing the walls apart to do that little insulation uh, or to seal up everything the, the way new construction is done. I would simply put that sealer on the plate and be done with it. Okay. And it's you can just get it at any big box store, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then I've got one more for sure. you. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, my my brother knows uh, about electricity and stuff like that, but uh, in the in the uh, in the kitchen, uh, from time to time, it, it the the breaker would trip. So he changed out on the breaker box um, the um, I guess the, the the breaker from like a fifteen to a twenty. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, one. 
but uh, it doesn't do it as often now, but it has done it before. Uh, do I still need to go to a higher one, or I'm not quite no. sure exactly why? Okay. Now, you, technically, you're not supposed to go from a 15 to a 20 even because they they require different size wires. Definitely don't go any higher. There's got to be something that's got a short in that line or okay. there's too many things trying to be plugged into it, one or the other. Yeah, that's what my brother says. He goes, man, because he, he was saying, he's like, I think he got too many plugs that that are feeding just this one breaker. Yeah, and, and if that's the case, you know, they could possibly break off some of them uh but yeah definitely do not up the the breaker size uh that's asking to overheat the wires and set the house on fire oh okay all right got it okay well thank you so much for your help sir you bet ricky you take care john welcome how can i help you that question um thinking about repainting the uh stamp concrete that we have around the pool yeah and my question is Power. We're going to power wash it first to get all the stain and mildew off of it. Do I need to let it wait a day or two to dry? Absolutely, because you want to make sure it is totally dry. Okay. What type of paint do you put down on that? They make a regular masonry paint, and they make some for for going up on walls and some for walking on. You're going to definitely want to get the the ones that are made for walking on. Uh, an industrial paint supply place would have it. Okay, and that that does that, some of that stuff come with like sand in it or something, so it ain't slippery. Yes, sir. And a so lot of them, kinda... a lot of them, you can just add the sand. Okay, perfect, perfect. That's what I wanted to find out. All righty, you take care, John. Caleb, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? Wonderful. How can I help you? Uh, my wife wants to change the color of our exterior brick. Uh, basically, would be the best way to do that. To change the color of the brick? Yeah, I've heard conflicting reports on painting it, not yep. paint, uh, brick work. Yeah, well, that is that is your only option to change the color of brick. You either paint it or take it out and put new brick in. Uh, you know, if you paint it, and that is kind of an in thing right now to paint old brick, make sure That's you get a fair. good masonry primer first and then it's easy to paint over the mistake so many people make is they use a cheap regular household primer and it'll start peeling in a few years but if you use a good masonry primer you know they they paint the uh the concrete columns and all the stuff on the freeways all the time you never see those peeling because they're using good quality primers and paint and you can do the same thing on your brick and not have an issue with it. And Dennis is asking, we're looking at a piece of land to build a house. There's two groups of medium-sized trees on the land. Will they uproot the trees before pouring the foundation, or will they just cut the trees to ground level and pour over with the foundation? Dennis, if all they want to do is cut those trees down and pour over it, get a new contractor, because that's not the way to do it. And truthfully, the right way to do it would be remove the trees with the roots as much as possible. You know, take the stump out uh, with the tree and then hydrate the soil. Because when a tree is taking moisture out of the soil, the soil shrinks. When it gets wet, it'll expand again. A very common problem on foundations that were poured where trees were 
the soil starts to take on moisture, it swells and picks part of the house up higher than it was built. And honestly, those are very expensive problems to fix because that requires you to pick the whole foundation up to match the high spot. Not something you want to deal with. So here's what I would recommend. Get the trees removed now. Put moisture into the soil. And you can do it by either letting the soil sit for a year or two and hydrate, which typically is not very good on time zones, or, or timelines rather, or you can drill holes down into the soil and in, and put in some soaker hoses or, or uh, you know, that type of material and inject soil into it for several months, probably three to six months. That'll hydrate the soil. And you, you need to go down about eight feet with that and hydrate the soil so it expands. Then you can go ahead and build your foundation. But getting moisture back into the soil is the critical part. And it's like I said, it's it, this is a common thing on new construction where they don't get the soil hydrated properly and the soil swells and causes very expensive problems. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Is there a disadvantage building or living in a house next to an easement-like storm drain? Will there be a foundation issue in the future if a house is built in hills near Austin? Thank you. Well, as far as the easement issue, here's the things you got to keep in mind. They can come in and do what they need to do in that easement. Now, how often do they do that? Rarely. You can go years. But, uh, you know, say you got a storm ditch there. What happens if the storm ditch overfills? Take a look at what side you're on. Because one side or the other of that ditch is going to be the high side. If you're on the high side, you're good. The water goes the other way. If you're on the low side of the ditch, may not be such a good experience. I will tell you, I have owned houses next to storm drains like that. I personally like it for two reasons. One... I'm on, I make sure I'm on the high side so I don't have to worry about flooding. Two, I don't have to worry about somebody building a house behind me. Even in a regular residential neighborhood, you've got your privacy. And so I personally don't mind it. In some cases, it's not a ditch. It's going to be for power lines. And in other cases, it's going to be for water lines and things like that. They do have to maintain those periodically. But you know what? That's years apart. So I wouldn't worry about it. Now, will there be a foundation issue in the future if a house is built in the hills near Austin? Typically not. Austin, if you are on the east side of I-35, you, you have the black gumbo clay soils, you are subject to foundation movement just like the rest of Texas. But normally when you go to the west side of I-35, and especially when you start getting up into the hilly part, you're in rock. And that is usually pretty stable where you don't have a lot of foundation movement. So uh, if you're going to be building up in the rock areas, don't worry about it the least. If your soil is a black gumbo clay soil, you're subject to movement. John, thanks for calling. Well, well, thanks for taking my call, Jim. Um, I've spoken to you before and I got good advice. So I was going to give you another call because I've got another project I want to 
look at doing. Um, I, I want to install gas logs in my fireplace. Okay. And I've got to bring in a gas line, obviously. And, and it's probably around 60 to 70 feet of line. And um, I got a price from a plumber that, quite honestly, I thought was really, really high. And, uh, and it may be okay, but it's just it's higher than what makes it worthwhile to do. So I just sure. wondered what your thoughts were um, for a, a pretty handy guy uh, doing something like that on his own. I, I recognize that, you know, the leaks and all that has to be pressure tested and, and it's got to hold a certain PSI for a certain length of time uh, and that sort of thing. But I just wanted to run that by and get your thoughts on it. You know, people do do that themselves. Uh, it does need to typically have a permit pulled and an inspection. Uh, and a lot of times cities will require a plumber pull a permit, even though it's on your own property. And mm -hmm. so okay. I, I will tell you up front, you know, my plumbing company, we've done it for people where they do it themselves. And then we will go pull a permit, put the pressure test on it for the inspection and everything. Uh, so you do have options on it. You mind my asking, how much do they want for a 60-foot line like that? It came in about 2800 Uh That might be a, a just, if it's, uh, it might be a smidgen on the high side, depending on what they got to go through to do the digging. Well, it's, um, there, there's already an existing gas line that's above ground out by the swimming pool heater. Okay. Um, and, and we were going to tap in there and go up the side of the garage, up into the soffit, through the attic of the garage, um, and then over, obviously over the living room and then down down the side of the chimney. Okay, um, so that that's why it's so expensive then, because it it's actually working up in confined spaces. Sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, if it was, you know, buried in the ground, and then you come around to where you're going to go in and go through the wall, it may be that that would be a little bit less expensive. Uh, that, okay. I would have kind of guessed around 2000 to 2200 for a 60-foot okay. line. Uh, but going up through the attic and, and all that, yeah, that, that price range is about right. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just uh, I, I didn't think that it would run that much. It didn't seem like it was that difficult. But if you're, you know, you're in the industry, so you would yeah. know better than I do. So, But, you know, so I, I, I read an interesting thing uh, actually yesterday, and I meant to set it aside to use on the show uh, about the cost of stuff like that because – you know, a lot of times people look at just what the material is going to cost, and you can expect for that job, it's going to take them pretty much all day to do it. That's uh, what he said. Yeah, it, it's very time-consuming. And so what you're paying for is obviously the time, the materials, the training that they had to go through, the truck, the insurance, and all the other stuff that has to go with it. And I'll, t I'll tell you up front, what typically throws the nail in the coffin on pricing are these cities who become a real pain in the butt on the inspection. Uh, yeah. Because what happens to, to us a lot of times is uh, you got to put the pressure test on it, and you have to be there when the inspector comes by. And he'll be there sometime between 8 and 5. Yeah. And so yeah, you got to well. pay for that other day of just waiting, sitting there waiting. 
Okay. And, and some cities actually require the master plumber to be there, and they need to be beaten for that. Because a master yeah, plumber's got a lot better ridiculous. things to do than sitting out waiting on an inspector to do a static or a yeah, pressure right. test. But sure. you got you got me down a rabbit trail now, though. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I, I appreciate the feedback. It, you bet. It helps me make my decision for sure. I, I will tell you, given where you're going to be installing it, I would hire somebody to do it. Uh, that That's going to be a real pain to put in. Okay. Sounds right. good. Take care, John. Thanks, Jim. My insurance company will not be renewing my home insurance. Their reason for non-renewal is roof material is asphalt shingles and over 15 years old and worn with granule loss. I would appreciate your thoughts on replacing or repairing the roof to meet renewal criteria, shingles versus metal roof if replaced, and do old shingles have to be removed? Thank you. Your show is awesome, Carolyn. Well, Carolyn, let's start this one at a time here. Replacing or repairing the roof to meet the renewal criteria. Sounds like they're not leaving you a whole lot of room. They want a new roof put on so that they don't have to worry about covering it with insurance later. You know, the the thing is, though, the only time they should be covering the roof is if there's something that happens, age and wear and tear, that typically is not covered by the insurance anyways. But hail, wind, things like that would be. So by putting a new roof on, you're minimizing their exposure. Uh, Shingles versus a metal roof if replaced. Well, metal roof is going to hold up better, no doubt. It's also going to cost usually 50 to 100% more than what a composition shingle is going to cost. However, you do a lot of times get a discount on the insurance because it doesn't wear, it doesn't catch fire, and uh, just a lot of things that the insurance companies a lot of times will give you a price discount for going to a metal roof or a hail-resistant roof. So that may be something you want to check with your insurance company with to see if how long it would take, I guess I should say, to make up the difference in the cost and get a price both ways. And then your third part of this question, do old shingles have to be removed? I would. I always recommend taking them off. The have-to part, no, it doesn't have to. A lot of places will let you put a second layer of shingles on, but it it uh, reduces the life of that layer of shingles because you got a bad layer under it that is deteriorating, and it doesn't get any better with time. So... I always recommend taking it off, especially if you're going to go with that metal roof. You absolutely want to take it off because you want to get down to a nice flat surface to be working from, and that's with the shingles gone. Going to Onalaska, Texas. Danny, how are you today? Jim, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. Let me ask a couple questions here. I had a house in Onalaska on the lake in Livingston. got destroyed back by a tornado back in April. I'm building a brand-new home. Uh-huh. On a foundation, it's about a hundred foot off the water down there. It's a two story, uh, three thousand square foot total. My AC guy is putting a, about a four ton unit downstairs, three ton unit upstairs, but he wants to use a heat pump system. I've never owned a heat pump system, so give me your pros and cons. What do I should do? I love heat pumps, and and the main reason is I, I'm a, and I'm gonna make the assumption you're going with all electric. Uh, no, I'm not. Actually, I'm going back with natural gas for the uh, tankless hot water heater, the dryer, and the stoves, and the oven. 
So why didn't he put a electric? And, 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 I mean and a, 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 gas, uh, and, and a gas furnace. I'm sorry, gas furnace. Okay, so he's wanting to do the gas furnace with the heat pump. Yes. I'll be I'll be honest. I wouldn't spend the money for it. If you got natural gas, just go with the natural gas and be done with it. Uh, you know, I knew that. I know they make the hybrid systems. If you were all electric, I would tell you without a doubt, go with the heat pump because it drops your electric bill tremendously when you're running heat. But when you got natural gas, just go with the natural gas. We just don't use the heater that much. Yeah, and I and I and I kind of did my homework a little bit, and I was reading the same thing. I was not seeing a big efficiency difference. You know, what I'd be better off, you know, going conventional and stay away from the heat pump because all I'm going to use the air conditioner for. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, I wouldn't spend. Is this a weekend home or your all time? all the time home well it's, it's this weekend right now but give me five years it will be my full time yep yeah so, just just stick with natural gas and just stay away from the heat pump system yep and just send me the address because I, I love fishing lake livingston <laughs> well we're just, just north of onalaska about two miles so yeah I, I used to have a place uh actually near on alaska uh oh indian points out in that direction Yes, I know where it's at. So. Great, great lake. You know, a lot of a lot of people complain about it. In my opinion, that's one of the nicer Texas lakes. Just the sheer size of it, and you can find deep spots, shallow spots. It's just a great lake. Yeah, the only complaint I got is during the summertime, if they, you know, we got to keep the Trinity River flowing, so yep. we have to open the, keep the dam open. So I'm on the east side of the lake, so mine gets a little lower than I like it to be sometimes. But hey, I chose to be there. That's where I want to be. Yep, yep. Okay. Well, I appreciate the vibe. You bet. Take it easy. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.